I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glorious. Glorious. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again. Relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name's Bill, and I'm talking and podcasting with my longtime buddy, Grace Guard Dog Steve. Hello, everybody. We want you to be our longtime buddies, too. We want all the guard dogs to be a part of Guardians of Grace and enjoy it and be blessed by it, by what God says through his scriptures. Amen to that, Steve. A lot of good things seem to be happening with the podcast. Yeah, it, it seems like... things seem to be in the way, too, but... It seems like everything I touch doesn't work, but then God comes through in his own way. I can take no credit for it. He just blesses from left field, and we're surviving on those blessings. Even when those things happen, it brings me great peace to understand God is sovereign over all. He knows all the avenues that we're going to get the podcast out, the webpage out. Who knows, but God knows. Only God knows. And that gives me a lot of peace. Me too. If I try to figure it out or I try to look at it as maybe God is sending me a signal, stopping something or... That does the opposite of our Guardians of Grace message, which he sent the Spirit to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. And that puts my thoughts back on what can I do to make the activity of God go forward. Kind of like Abraham and and Sarah. Help God out. Yeah, help God out. I am diligent in the morning, and I sow my seed at night, like Ecclesiastes says, just like you don't know which way the wind comes from or how the bones are formed in the mother's womb. Sow your seed in the morning and be diligent at night because you never know if your morning or evening efforts will be blessed. And you don't know the activity of God, it says. You don't know the activity of God and... I'm telling you, for the last couple of weeks, his activity has had nothing to do with the seeds I've sown or, or the diligency I showed in the evening because I'd been putting in some long, hard hours at night trying to get certain things to work on that computer, and they wouldn't. God just blessed in totally different ways. I still have those things, to those issues with the computer. The blessings came from Mexico and Canada, Canada and France and Vietnam, Argentina, Vietnam. 
we really picked up a lot of downloads from all over the globe. I could only think of one thing when I saw those downloads from Vietnam. Good morning, Vietnam! (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what made me think of that. (laughs) That's funny. That's funny. Robin Williams, he was a funny person. He was. Well, we don't know the activity of God, but we do know two things. That he loves us, and that the payment for sin was poured out on his son once and for all. And there's about five different angles that we can look at that. And also the idea that I think we left off in In Colossians. Colossians, that's right. Where it's talking about the love of God to deal with the acts of the flesh. Yes. And I'll let you explain it because you're better at it. But there's there was the two, the eternal point of view and the temporal point of view. And hopefully we can get to the eternal point of view and the temporal point of view for God's judgment of sin. Yes, yes. Because we did mention that that word wrath is the word that we get orgy from and and there is a sense in which it means passion and we were right to to do that but we don't want that's not actually the direction we wanted the podcast to go on we wanted everybody to pick up on exactly what is being said in Colossians chapter 3 say one through seven or something like that. Let let me go ahead and read it first. It says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. In whose eyes are we dead and our life is hidden with God? That would be in God's eyes. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you will be revealed with him in glory. When he reveals himself, you shine. You are a model Christian. That's the word fanaru, the the manifest word. The manifest word. And it has to do with manifesting in time. Yes. Good point. Good point, Bill. Then it goes on to say, Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For on account of these things, the wrath of God will come. So it's saying, consider yourself dead to those things. What what actually does that mean when you're supposed to consider yourself dead to those things? It means consider the payment paid in full. The wages of sin is death and in God's eyes you died because of those things. Your debt is paid in full. You need to consider those things as being dead in God's eyes when you're having a bad day and feeling very bad about yourself. So then it goes on to say, and in them you also once walked when you were living in them. Do you see how it says past tense now? 
That's because when we were living in those things, we ended up dying. That's why we consider ourselves dead to those immorality and all those things because we died. And it's saying in them, you used to walk in those things. That is from God's point of view because from our point of view, we are present tense walking in those things. Ephesians 4.22 and following, put off the old man which is being corrupted by his deceitful desires. A temporal statement from our point of view. From our point of view, we still see ourselves doing these things, but we have to know God's eternal point of view. And I think that's what we're going to spend the rest of the podcast on is looking at this eternal point of view and what God had to do to go through it. But it says in those things you once walk, and then it says, but now also put them all aside, anger, anger, wrath, slander, abusive speech, from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have laid aside the old self with its evil practices. There it's saying, the truth of the matter is that you laid aside the old self with its evil practices, meaning in God's eyes, because Ephesians 4.22 says, put off the old self, which is being corrupted. That's in our eyes. What we see as present tense, God mercifully saw as past tense. And he toggles between past tense thoughts here and present tense thoughts. And you have to be able to rightly divide these thoughts. And I believe if we look at what God did when he pulled off an eternal redemption what he actually did for us and the the ramifications of that. The ramifications are is that he can see everything we see as present tense. He can see it as past tense. And we'll show you what we mean with just a simple illustration of Christ. Yeah, and I, I think it's important what you just said. We see the manifestations, Fanaru, the manifestations of the spirit, and we see the manifestations of the flesh. The manifestations of the spirit are the love, joy, peace, patience. And then the manifestations of the flesh are that list you just read right out of Galatians and it says the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit wars against the flesh right there in Galatians so we're seeing these two manifestations in time but we have to consider that every manifestation of the flesh was paid for the the entity that did that manifestation of the flesh the flesh <laughs> paid for its sin I'm struggling with the right words had it sin paid for by Christ yes one died for all therefore all died I'm kind of repeating what Steve said but I'm just saying it again for, yes for emphasis let's look 
you know, Matthew 28 talks about Jesus dying on the cross. That's where we know that he died. In, in other words, that's the point in time that Jesus died. There's a date for it. On this day, he died on the cross 2,000 years ago. I want you to look at some other verses that actually seem to contradict each other. Because, let's say, Revelations 13.8 will say, this is the Lamb of God who was slain before the creation of the world. The Lamb of God who was slain before the creation of the world. Second Timothy 1.8 says that this grace was given to us by God through Christ and this grace was given to us before the world began. There you've got Jesus died 2,000 years ago in a verse that says this happened before the world began. Yet in Hebrews 9.26 9.26 Perfect, Bill, perfect. It says he died at or, the end of time. Yeah. And, and so that's have, the King James Version. The authorized version says he died at the end of time. See, the Bible would contradict itself if it wasn't for this thing that is labeled and defined in Hebrews 10, 12. Let me go ahead and read it. Okay. I'm going to read from the NIV. Okay. But when this priest had offered for one time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. One sacrifice for all time. Yeah, let me read it out of the NAS because it says he did not enter the Holy of Holies through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained an eternal redemption. Eternal redemption, not a redemption that was temporal, but he went up to the third heaven, to the Holy of Holies, way outside of time. In other words, you've got to realize you, you can draw a line, and from the beginning of that line to the end of that line is time. But then you circle that, and that timeline now is inside of eternity that has no beginning or end. He went up and obtained an eternal redemption which was outside of time and encompassed all time. Therefore, the Bible is not contradicting itself when it says he died before the creation of the earth. He died at the end of time. He died on the cross. Romans 5, 6 will say he died at the right time. The Bible has the license to do that because of what we're reading in Hebrews 10, 12, that 
Jesus obtained a certain type of redemption, an eternal redemption, a redemption outside of time that encompasses all time. That's why it can say he died at the end of time. In God's eyes, Christ died at the end of time, at the very last breath of the very last person, and all those sins were dealt with. They were paid in full. And so when you're in Colossians and it says, put off what is doing this slander and bad speech and immorality, just as you already have put that off. It says, don't lie to each other since you have put that off. It's clearly speaking about you have put that off in God's eyes. In your eyes, it runs rampant in your life. And to understand the gospel, this good news, you just have to get a handle on eternal statements and temporal statements. You you just can't understand this New Testament without doing that. You can't understand the New Testament without seeing that everything bad that you do in God's eyes is past tense. Matter of fact, it says the old man of us was crucified with him and paid its sin debt. That's literally the ancient man of us was crucified. The ancient, that's how far back in the past God sees all our boo-boos that we are doing during the course of the day right in front of us. Let me say that one more time. Do you not realize that God sees what we do, our mistakes that we do each and every day that are very much present tense, God sees those very much as past tense. I don't know how to say it any louder. I've I've probably said it four times now, but it's a, a concept that you have to grasp. It's a doctrine that you have to grasp. You have to grasp the doctrine that what you see yourself doing, the mistakes you make during the course of the day, God saw them as past tense. That is a doctrine that the Bible is telling you, and you have to receive that by faith. It's very good news, but it was never seen by humans It is accepted by faith. It's telling you something about an invisible happening that happened between God and Jesus and turned out very good for us. Those are eternal doctrines, and they are accepted by faith. You have to believe them because you don't see them. You see yourself very much as alive. No, I'm right here in front of the mirror. Here I am. I see myself. I'm not dead. By faith, you realize that in God's eyes, you are dead. You died and paid your sin debt. In your day-to-day experiences, though, that comes under the Romans 7 heading. If I put myself under the law, then 
I am a slave sold into bondage to sin and I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I do want to do and I do the very thing I hate and I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my human nature for the wishing to do good is in me but the doing of good is not in me. That's your day-to-day experiential doctrines that you don't want to put yourself under the law, a temporal doctrine. You don't want to give the power of sin is the law. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 or 56. 56, yeah. 56. The power of sin is the law. That is a temporal doctrine. It tells you that you give sin power when you put yourself under the law. A temporal doctrines. They do not contradict each other. They mix together perfectly well. I hope I've said that fairly clear because to understand Colossians the first 10 verses in Colossians 3, you have to know eternal doctrines and temporal doctrines. And I would venture a guess that this is the first time many of the people out there listening to Bill and I have heard of such a notion, have heard of the idea of temporal doctrines and eternal doctrines and that they do not contradict each other. The Bible was not contradicting itself in Colossians chapter 3, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. It was not contradicting itself, but it sure seems to be, but it's not because it is telling us eternal doctrines and temporal doctrines. And I'm going to get off my soapbox now. No, it's the word... Eternal in 926, eternal redemption. The Greek word eternal is comes from the the noun aeon, and it's the adjective ionion. It's describing an age, pertaining to an age. An age, we call them eons sometimes, an age has a beginning and an ending. Throughout the history of the world, there is ages. In Hebrews 1 and Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11 talks about, by faith we know that God created the ages, plural, and he placed them together, one age following another. We don't know how many they are, but we do know they're plural. In Hebrews 1, it it says the same thing about, let me get it so I can quote it right. Okay, I got it. Hebrews 1.1 in the NIV. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also, this says, made the universe. It's actually created the ages. Ages. ages, The aeons. Mm -hmm. The eons, the aeons. Each the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. 
and that was purifications for all the sins of all the those ages. ages. All the ages were he wrapped sat up. down. Yes, yes. That's why Hebrews 10 says, at the consummation of the ages, where they all joined together and got the sins paid for, that's what Jesus did. He combined all the ages together to pay for every sin at one time. That's what it says. He paid once for all time all the sin of the world. And then he sat down something the Levitical priests never did. Oh, that's a good point. It says they were continuously offering sacrifices. Right. They never sat down. Year by year. But he did because it's finito. It's finished. He did it. And therefore, it's past tense in his eyes because he offered up an eternal redemption. A redemption that was in an age so big that it encompassed all these other ages. And you could say the from Adam to Noah was an age. You could yes. say from Noah to Abraham was an age. You could say from Abraham to Moses was an age. You could say the whole Mosaic law was an age. And Jesus referred to it at, what shall I say about this age? age? And this age, this evil age is coming to an end. That was the age of the law. And then there's ages, plural, to come. Ages, plural, to come. So there's a lot to look at as far as these words are concerned. But Let me get to another one, too. Go ahead. Continue your thought. If you can just get the fact that God has made his miracle happen in such a way that he can call what you call present tense the old man of you, he calls that present, the past tense as somebody crucified in his eyes. You just have to get that one point so that you can understand this new covenant that we're under because this new covenant is predicated on him cleansing every vessel on earth so that he can inhabit those vessels because he would not inhabit an unclean vessel. So what we see ourselves doing present tense, he saw that as past tense and cleaned it out so that his son could dwell in us and do for us what we can't do for ourselves, starting on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came back down and spirit started giving birth to spirit. So let me do another one. Okay. Hebrews 11, it's that same aeon word for age, and it has to do with aeonion, which we, in English, we say eternal, but it's better defined as pertaining to the ages or a certain age. So Hebrews 11, 1, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. We've been talking a lot of things about what we see and don't see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the the NIV says universe was formed at God's command so that what was what is seen was not made out of what was visible. You want to hear the word, though? Mm-hmm. It's ages, aeons. 
By faith we understand that the ages were created, and it actually says put together. Like, this age was going to... Exactly. <clears throat> the age of the law. Had a purpose, mm-hmm. and then it was going to follow by this age with a purpose, and this age with a purpose. Yep. So yeah, this he- is all well laid out. But now, God, what is his... What is the name he told Moses? I am. What does I am mean? Present tense. Always present tense. How about a thousand years in the future? What's his name? I am. What about 10,000 years past? I am. And he is those 10,000 years. (laughs) He is, yeah. So when we look at things from an eternal point of view, we're looking at periods of time, I guess you could say. And the sacrifice for sins says it, he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, literally the thrown down cosmos, before sin even happened, it already happened. Uh, the sacrifice for sin in God's eyes already took place. Why? Because he's the I am. It's, time is nothing to God. It's everything to us. But God is in the past and in the future. We have to live in the present. That's why he, we are to look at God as the I am. And we don't have to stress ourselves out and worry about what will be. We know that whenever what will be is here, it'll be our I am. And he's, I am with you always. And even I to am me. what you need me to be. Which is exactly what he told. The last words he told his disciples mm. were to baptize everyone in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What is the name? I am. And then he said this, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Singular. That was talking about the Mosaic age, which was about the end in AD 70 so then we're in a another age and it says there's ages to come I'm not an eschatology person so I won't even try to attempt to explain it right. I'll just say this is what the Bible says there's ages to come Yes. in the ages to come he demonstrates his kindness towards us Ephesians 3 10 also Ephesians 1 11 same thing, same concept about time and ages. It so, sure is. Temporal and eternal thoughts sandwiched in one single sentence comes a temporal and an eternal thought. So as far as the sacrifice for sins, the payment for sin, it happened on the cross and it included all ages. That's why it could say before time, before the foundation of the world it happened during the world it happened at a certain age on a certain date and it also happened at the end of all the ages because it's just something that's outside of time it's where God exists eternally he mixed time and eternity he he mixed the ages and time is when the earth spins around when the goes around the sun Mm -hmm. 
we have seasons and, and times and they all have to do with time but we can reference God is in the moment in time all the time yes if that makes sense yes it, to use bad English to make a point he am the person who crucified the old man that we see ourselves being every so often he am that person that crucified him he am the person that causes you to live the Christian life that you want to live he is that person he is the source of living that Christian life on an I am basis moment by moment he will save you from yourself even though he saved you on the cross before the world began after the world ended at the right time for all time at the consummation of the ages all those things are trying to tell us something about the magnitude of the miracle that God pulled off let me put it the way Paul says it in Romans 6, 10 and 11. He says this fact. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. And that's talking about all people in all time. The life he lives presently, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourself. It's the Levitzamite. Count it true. Count yourself dead to sin, meaning the payment for sin you died for. Count yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You, you count the death, the penalty for sin have been past tense been paid once for all, but the moment by moment life you live, the life you live, he lives, lives to, to be God. the vessel that God uses. Those two things you're to count true. Consider the, as true. The death you died, you died to sin once for all. The life you live, you live to God. Count it true. Yes. It's a fact. It, it's a fact. The life that you live, you, you live as literally the vessel that God uses. You live to God. You live as that vessel, that instrument. That's why in Romans 6, it, it says, I thank God that though you used to be slaves to sin or instruments of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching which you are now convinced of. He says, I thank God because God is the one that freed you from the sin. And he freed you at the cross. And he's the one who frees you each and every day of your life, he frees you from yourself. That's what Paul said. Oh, who will rescue me from this body of death? This body that wishes to do good, but can't do good in Romans 7. Can't tell you what an important chapter that is. So when it says in Colossians 3, against such things, the wrath of God has come. He's just got done explaining to you about his death on the cross paying for all your sins and he says to count yourself dead to sin if you just want to be a forgiven sinner then you know you are you are but do you want to be a victorious saint yes 
that's what the wrath of God has come upon you to get rid of the sin that's already been paid for eternally experientially out of you experientially out of you so you can be victorious over sin that's why in first john it says only a person speaking by the spirit could say that jesus came in the flesh that he came to be inside of your body and it also says jesus came to put away the deeds of the devil he's the one who does it through you and causes you to live righteously live the way you want experientially if you rely on the spirit to experientially live a righteous life you will blossom but thinking that somehow god is still a little upset at you because you sinned yesterday it's not paid for because it was paid for when you said jesus i want you to be lord of my life or you said the so-called sinner's prayer or something like that you're, you're thinking of everything you did up to that point as being forgiven and now you're you're told to keep maybe short accounts you heard that one yeah confess uh, up confess up today yeah all those things are counterproductive in experiencing the life of Christ now experiencing the spirit's power now that's why he says count it count yourself dead to sin count it true count it as paid in full get your mind off the sin altogether and that's not flippant about sin that is reckoning the finished work of Christ as absolutely true and the results of the finished work of Christ as being present tense available for you to live now you can live in freedom from the spirit and you don't have to freedom from sin by the spirit now if you did something to another person that's a different thing and it's the spirit's power that gives you the ability to go to that person and try and make it right without a billy goat apology. Yep. yep. We, we did the billy goat apology before. It's full of butts. <laughs> <laughs> but getting back to this wrath word that's so scary, scared me a lot of times. It kept me from actually seeing what the Bible was saying so, so many times. But Before you start, I... I it is in the present tense. It's not, it says will come, but it's actually present tense. That's it's, right. It's here. It, it's happening. It's yes. wrathing. And the, the wrathing that is taking place is none other than the futility that Adam and Eve were subject to. They were subject to God's wrath. And by the sweat of your brow and the blood off your hands, you'll till the ground. That's why. In, in Romans 8, it, it says, the creation itself was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but of the will of him who subjected it in hopes that it would be liberated from its slavery to corruption and manifest the children of God is, is what we're actually saying that the passage is actually saying there but it, it's saying that 
your fleshly nature is still under the futility that it has always been subjected to. Your flesh does not get you very far. And that futility feels like the wrath of God. But it's literally nothing more than what was pronounced to Adam many years ago. And that's how hard life would be, humanly speaking. The sweat of your brow, the toil. Yeah. Just in closing, I know that the idea of eternal statements or eternal doctrines and temporal doctrines is a new idea that we're introducing to many of you. We've done several other podcasts on this idea. I would encourage you to to listen to some of those podcasts because you can't really get the Bible rightly divided without understanding this idea. And so don't discount it. Don't dismiss it, but just let it bear itself out. Let it prove to you that it's actually there in the Bible. Give, give it a year or so, and you will see that you'll find other eternal and temporal statements. Sometimes they're in the same sentence, like in the Corinthian passage, it says, clean out the old leaven, just as in fact you have. Which, which one did you do? Did you already do it, or do you have to clean it out? No. On a temporal plane, you have to clean out the old leaven. On an eternal plane, you already have because God did it for you. Eternal statement and temporal statement that you can't make sense out of any other way, right there in one sentence, right there. What I'm telling you about eternal and temporal statements is very, very, very much true. So don't be so quick to discount it. Be quick to listen and slow to anger, as James would say. Amen. That's good advice. Do you want to close us in prayer? Yeah. Thank you, Father God, that you loved us. Thank you that you sent your son Jesus to be the Lamb of God that took away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world the Holy Spirit that lives in us to free us from everything we can't free ourselves of. Thank you that you love us that much. Thank you that you are I am to us, are ever in the moment, whenever we need you, you're there. I pray that your spirit just take these teachings about eternal and temporal truths that we be like Bereans and see if these things be so. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, you guys, for listening to us. We so wholeheartedly depend on you listening to our podcast. We love you guys. Good night. Good night, you guys. We love you.